0: Hello and welcome to the Glastonbury Abbey podcast, Talking Spirituality, with me, Nick Phillips. Today, we're covering a topic that I've wanted to talk about on the podcast since the beginning, but I hadn't found the right person to discuss it with until now. This is the subject of respecting sacred space and how we manage that, something that isn't as easy as it sounds. The subject of respecting sacred space is right at the heart of what the Abbey does in making it making the site open to the public. It's supported by the charity's objects in terms of honouring the Christian heritage of the place. But it also has day to day implications when it comes to sharing the sacred space. Whether that be between Christian worshippers, non-Christian spiritual seekers, those who come for the history, the peace and the fresh air, or just as general tourists. Spiritual spaces are also often contested spaces, usually at high traffic, popular sites that have a complicated history which is open to interpretation. Although at the Abbey this rarely spills over into real confrontation between interest groups, it presents issues around how the ruins are managed, in order to allow everyone to have a fulfilling visit without the activities of one group or individual impacting negatively on another. I found when doing a research piece on this a couple of years ago, that when reaching out to comparator sites about their experiences, there really is nowhere with direct parallels to Glastonbury Abbey. Places like Avebury and the Rollwright Stones have the visitors who are interested in earth energies and theories about megalithic alignments and ley lines that we get at Glastonbury. But these are not places with a Christian heritage to observe. Whilst they're also scheduled monuments, they do not have consecrated spaces in the formal sense. At the other end of the spectrum, we have cathedrals, which largely survived the Reformation. They're covered working places of worship within the Christian church. And they don't have as many visitors who are looking to enact ritual practices in ways that stray from their conventions, as we may find at Glastonbury. Glastonbury. Glastonbury Abbey occupies a strange place in terms of what it is, or rather how it's perceived. To some, the Abbey ruins are still very much a church, albeit one that does not have regular services in its main parts. And uh, others will want to experience something outside of mainstream religion, either in a passive way, soaking up the atmosphere, or in an active way by conducting personal rituals, the leaving of offerings, or initiating group ritual activity. Again, activities that are not allowed without consent. Certain spaces of high significance at the Abbey, such as the high altar, are only demarcated by a low boundary and a sign in the grass, as nothing of their fabric survives the destruction of the Abbey in the 16th century. But to those of the Christian faith, these are still extremely important and holy spaces. We regularly observe people standing, sitting or lying on the altar, and have to ask them not to. And we're led to wonder whether these people either simply do not recognize that the marked space is still holy, or they do, but they do not care, or alternatively, that they do, but wish to experience its holiness in their own way, a way that you would not see someone doing on a physical altar in a cathedral. There's also the issue of unauthorized group rituals that occasionally occur without consent being sought from the abbey. And there is a reason for doing so. Whilst the Abbey is welcoming to people of all belief systems, such activities can cause difficulties. Non-Christian ritual may cause consternation to Christians, and whether observed by them or not, if it runs counter to the Christian beliefs, it goes against one of the founding principles of the charity that it must abide by. It can also impede access for our visitors. An individual may come along to find that they cannot get near what they want to see because it's been encircled by a group, or one of our guided tours becomes disrupted by an unscheduled group activity at one of the pinch points of the Lady Chapel, High Altar or Arthur's Grave. So what is the answer? Is there a way for everyone to enjoy the space in their own way without impacting each other? Is there a need for more information and guidance for the public about the space that they are entering. My guest today is Marion Bowman from the Religious Studies Department at the Open University and an expert on contemporary religion and pilgrimage with special focus on Glastonbury in much of her work. She has published extensively on the subject of vernacular religion, pilgrimage, and spirituality at work in Glastonbury. So is the ideal person to speak with about this topic. Hi, Marion. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me.
0: Marion, what's your experience of contested spiritual spaces?
1: Well, I mean, globally, we know of places like Jerusalem, which is a flashpoint Mm -hmm. precisely because it is so important to different religions. So we have that big example and then more locally we have places like Avebury and Mm -hmm. Stonehenge but of course in my experience the contested site to end all contested sites is of course Glastonbury (laughs) if we are thinking about uh, you know what's in our own local experience
0: yes yes
1: but a contested site is actually an indication of how important it is different Mm, people and that's precisely what you've been you know alluding to in your introduction it's because glastonbury it seems to me one of the most extraordinary things about glastonbury is it is a place of parallel universes. people attach different importancies different story worlds to Mm -hmm. glastonbury Mm. and so when they come if you like they're seeing their vision and their version of Glastonbury. Yes. And that kind of leads to a sort of tunnel vision, if you like.
0: Yeah, so they only see their version and not the potential other versions that other people are layering on top and underneath.
1: And I think that's one reason why you get the occasional flashpoint, because Mm -hmm. if they're very fixed on their vision and version Mm -hmm. and mythology, if you like, of Glastonbury, it perhaps makes them let's say forgetful or possibly Mm -hmm. less respectful than they should Mm -hmm, be mm -hmm. of other people's views of and experiences of Glastonbury. So as you've already indicated, it is a huge problem.
0: Do you think that there's a bit of an identity crisis around what the Abbey is perceived to be?
1: Absolutely. I think this works on a number of different levels. For example, what it is is a heritage site. It's, you know, treated, if you like, it's presented for the most part as a site of cultural heritage, as an historic Mm -hmm. site of great national, historic, archaeological interest. And so there are people who will be heritage visitors. But, of course, as we've already said, it has this immense significance religiously for a variety of people. Now, of course, the most obvious incarnation, if you like, of Glastonbury and the Abbey site are the ruins of the Abbey. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So that very clearly points to its Christian past. And of course, we do see twice a year or whatever, it comes back to life as an active working Christian site with Mm -hmm. the Anglican pilgrimage or the Catholic pilgrimage. And so, that means to some extent that other people think, "But this site's important to us. Why can't we do our thing?" Now, mm-hmm. you've pointed out there are very good reasons why they can't. But I think it's—I think the Abbey does have a problem because it is this immensely significant site for a number of people, and there's a a, a wonderful quotation, which I find very useful in relation to Glastonbury. And that's from the anthropologists of pilgrimage, John Eden, Michael Salno. And if I may, I'll just refer to it. Yeah. And they say the power of a shrine derives in large part from its character, almost as a religious void, a ritual space capable of accommodating diverse meanings and practices its capacity to absorb and reflect a multiplicity of religious discourses, to be able to offer a variety of clients what each of them desires. Now, I have returned to this quotation time Mm -hmm. and again over the years when writing and thinking about Glastonbury because it seems to me that one of the things about Glastonbury and its contestation does relate to the fact that at the very heart of Glastonbury, you do have this huge, not exactly empty space, Mm -hmm. but you have a huge, fairly empty space. And I think just its physical presence as that big green space at the heart of the town almost invites people to project and reflect Mm -hmm. and see, if you like, past its obvious Christian heritage, to what it is that they're interested, their version of Glastonbury, which is often based on pre-Christian Glastonbury. And so obviously I'm not saying that the Abbey is a religious void, far from it. But it's because it kind of allows far more projection and interaction than, for example, Wells Cathedral.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of like the, the space itself, there, there is the entire um, precinct, but also like the altar spaces, these, these aren't things, these are voids. They're not, uh, you know, there's no religious kind of interpretation of them. So again, those invite this layering of ideas and beliefs. Um, but do you think it's, a, a, do you regard it as a positive thing that people do this?
1: Well, okay, we're in a very interesting situation in terms of religion and spirituality now, aren't we? And so some people would say we're thoroughly post-Christian culturally now. So on the one hand, that means that certainly some people won't get the importance of an altar and why it might be upsetting to others if they are standing on it lying on it or whatever because that whole vocabulary of what's appropriate behavior inside a church and mm-hmm. cathedral largely isn't there for many people. Yeah. yeah. So there's that going on and then of course we're back to as it were projecting your version of Glastonbury because it may be that for some people uh, it's been said that where that altar is there are powerful energies passing mm-hmm. through it. So if that is what you're there to experience, it may seem very obvious to you that what you do is experience the energies Mm -hmm. by lying on that site. So it's it's a richness that the Abbey site has, but it undoubtedly comes with many complications. I'm thinking of some work we did uh, a couple of years ago now on the Pilgrimage and England's Cathedrals, Past and Present Project, and we were working with four partner cathedrals on that at Durham, Canterbury, York, and Westminster Cathedral. That is the, the Catholic cathedral in London, mm-hmm. not Westminster Abbey.
0: Yeah.
1: But as a result of our findings, we were also doing some work with English Heritage National Trust and so on. And I, I just throw in the idea that after one of our workshops for heritage professionals, um, Someone from National Trust said, I'm going to go back now and think about whether we do actually put a structure on the site mm. of an altar just so that it does interrupt the space mm-hmm. visually and help people understand yeah. that it was a significant place.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's something that again needs a lot of consultation mm. and interpretation because, Absolutely. you know, you, you're in, you, it's a a modern vision of something that we don't know how it looked, so it's a really difficult thing.
1: Oh, and yeah, and I would say that. I mean, what they are going, what they have done, if they've done it at all, is just to make it plain, mm-hmm. plain, plain, plain. No attempt at reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Just as it were, marking it more obviously and yeah. physically yeah. than yeah. just by having, you know, quite often on these sites, you just have, as it were, stones, flagstones at mm-hmm. ground level. Mm-hmm. And they decided, they, or at least they've been thinking about whether to, you know, build it up a bit, just very plainly, not attempting to make it into anything, yeah. but just to mark mark okay. the space visually. But as you say, that's, that's a big decision and would take a lot of consultation. And it's tricky, isn't it? You don't want in a place like the Abbey, for example, you don't want a lot of visual noise, as it were. You don't want. You don't no, want no. fences, You don't want signs, and I'm sure that's something that must. No, again,
0: yeah, it's something yeah. that we um, that we have to consult with um, a historic England on because yeah. they, you know, they um, advise us on all these things, and there are, there are so many things you can't you can't do on the site as well as can do. So, yeah, it's very complicated um but yeah so like other ideas that you know people have suggested in the past such as out of hours access for private groups but again there's health and safety issues because once it starts to get dark you know there's there's you know there there are drops around and um the idea as well of a separate dedicated space outside of the church space um to fulfill that desire for ritual um but there's also the fact that the spots that are important to non-Christians and that they want to occupy are also the same ones that are valuable to Christians. As we've said, they're, they're layered on top of each other. Um, but yeah, is there a way to please everyone? Is the big yeah, I point. think we know the answer to that, yeah, Nick. There
1: is not a way to please everyone. But I wonder, it, I guess it would be risk-taking to mm-hmm. try some of these ideas. Yeah. But as you say, whether to move the idea of some activity, say beyond the fish pond or something, mm-hmm. where you're nicely in sight of the tour, yeah. but you also have a sight line down to the rest of mm-hmm. the abbey site.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it's very difficult because then you're into, but you let them do this, you let them do that. And why do we have to pay to do this? And all the, yes. the usual yeah. art- arguments because there is something about people paying money and if I may refer again back to the pilgrimage in England's cathedrals Mm -hmm. project, a number of cathedrals in England now charge for admittance and they do that reluctantly but it's to keep a roof on the building and Mm -hmm. all the rest. However, speaking to vergers and people involved in those cathedrals, there was a discomfort And their line was very much, if you invite people in for free, it's like you invite people into your home and you expect them to act by your rules. If you charge admittance, people feel that they've earned the right to do whatever they like Hmm. in your space. And there was the wonderful example that we encountered of someone who had paid to get into York Minster As a a heritage tourist, she was interested in the building. She was interested in its heritage. But it has been the custom at times in in York, Minster, to ask people to stop at midday for a a brief prayer. And this person was absolutely furious that she had paid. She had paid to get into a historic building and then was having religion forced down her throat, you know? (laughs) Oh, do you see what I mean? That yeah, there, there, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is just a tricky, tricky business. So I, I do think that there are issues that if you say, yes, you can do this, we'll charge you for this, but then it feels like people have permission to do whatever they want.
0: Another consideration for getting people to realise that this is a sacred space is to um, perhaps prepare them like... <clears throat> Almost sort of slow them down and show them visually as they approach. We did this with some of the, the images up the driveway, um, show them this, is, this isn't just a park or a tourist attraction. Um, so, to kind of make people approach it in a way they might do a church or a temple, because that's what we want them to do, we want to respect it in the same kind of way. Um, do you think that's a good idea? Uh, have you seen this at work anywhere else?
1: I think it is a good idea. I've seen examples, but again, on a much smaller scale (laughs) of people trying to, as you say, slow people down, think about it. On your side, as it were, I would say that in Glastonbury, as so many other places now, there's a greater... Mm. there's a greater awareness of or people thinking about the sacred yes, and designating things sacred. Now, they may have totally different actually, sorry, people may have totally different ideas about what the sacred actually means, but mm-hmm. it's a very current concept and so one of the few things you could say in Glastonbury when you think of the many different paths the spiritual paths and individual uh, seekership that goes on in Glastonbury one of the few things people can agree on is the fact that Glastonbury for many people is a sacred space so that's that's a good start and I think this idea of saying whatever brings you here this is a sacred space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So please treat it with respect.
0: Yeah, it's something as simple as And I sentence. I know that sounds simplistic. Yeah, yeah, no.
1: Because I'll make the comparison with what's happening in some English cathedrals. Now you're saying that's ridiculous because they their cathedrals <laughs> are obviously big Christian spaces. But one of the most fascinating things about our fieldwork during the Pilgrimage at English Cathedrals project was that people of very different religious beliefs or none were coming to cathedrals and obviously knowing it was a Christian building, <laughs> but seeing, if you like, beyond that and regarding it as a sacred space. And it was sacred because religious spiritual people had been coming there praying doing whatever in those spaces for centuries and so if you like that legacy of sacrality was what they wanted and it almost didn't matter that it was christian do you see what i mean i know that sounds mad but Mm -hmm. that for Mm -hmm. me was one of the most interesting things to come out of it so a gentleman in Westminster Cathedral, for example, saying, oh, he was Hindu, but he has a statue of Mother Mary on his shrine at home. So if he's in the area, he will come in and light a candle for Mother Mary. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We gave questionnaires out at some of the cathedrals and asked people, if they wouldn't mind, to identify, you know, as to what religion they were, denomination they were or whatever. And of course, a lot of people identified as no religion. But, of course, no religion doesn't mean no interest at all in religious and spiritual things. It means no institutional affiliation. And so the people who were simultaneously identifying themselves as being of no religion, on the list of asking people what they did, I sat and meditated. I thought about a close person to me who had died. I lit a candle.
0: Yeah so that they're, they're doing vernacular religion without realizing it
1: they're doing religion although they might not see it that way but they're yeah, doing yeah. religion and the fact that it is for them in a sacred space is important yeah they have sought out that space so that gets back to this idea of what you can do to slow people down mm-hmm. and to acknowledge and I think now that's not going to go down well with everyone, but I think that framing of saying this is sacred to many people for many different reasons. Please treat mm. it with respect. I think sort of-
0: that so that that word sacred is so like multi-use. Like everyone understands that in their own way. It's not yeah. particular to one religion or, or another. So yeah. I that's a really good word to use.
1: I, I think that's and and it's recognized. Do you know what I mm, mean? It has yeah. instant recognition among people in Glastonbury and among the visitorship, I suggest. Mm-hmm. And so I think ideas of sacredness and respect, because that's something yes. that's in a lot of discourse now. And so if you're thinking about you know how to prepare people and what might strike a chord. Um I I think those are good roads to go down. And I'm sure you've thought of this, and I'm sure it's a health and safety nightmare. But I know that people can. Oh, I'm saying this. um, I'm aware that I think people can light candles in the chapel.
0: Yeah, in St. Patrick's Chapel. In St. Patrick's Chapel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So I'm aware of the fact that you can light candles in St. Patrick's Chapel. And I think. Again, you notice in a lot of cathedrals where they're aware of the fact that many people are in the cathedrals who aren't used to being in churches, a very general invitation to light a candle, Mm -hmm,
0: mm
1: -hmm. whatever it means to you. Because honestly, that act of lighting a candle is one of the most powerful activities in a range of religious and spiritual traditions because you're doing something. You're doing something that feels meaningful, but you don't have to articulate exactly what it is that you're doing. Do you see what I mean? Yeah,
0: no, that's hugely really, powerful. It, it could really sort of play into the whole um, that whole welcoming and preparing as people, because it's it, St Patrick's Chapel is at the at the entrance. It's it's the perfect. Yeah. Really for that. And that, that's
1: what I was thinking yeah. is, is this business of extending an invitation to those who might want to do something meaningful. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you're both extending an invitation, knowing that you have to close off other avenues. But nevertheless, I think that that open invitation and encouraging people so that they can do something they are there they're in a special place and they can do something meaningful I think you might find that there may be a response to that because it may be that some people either bypass the chapel because it's it's easily enough done (laughs) or think oh that's not for me but I I think if there was a way of you know making that welcome if you like spill out from the chapel or directing people to the chapel that that might that might help one very simple way that I've seen in some places is actually just about inviting different people and those little vox pop things what does what does Glastonbury Abbey mean to you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to have Maybe, is that, I mean, I'm sure it's the sort of thing you've already tried, but is that a legitimate thing to think about? What does Glastonbury Abbey or the site, you know, what does Glastonbury Abbey mean to you? What does this space mean to you? Yes. And invite people to, again, you can't have everyone, but some people, a variety of people, to articulate mm-hmm. what it means to them, which then feeds into saying, it means different things to different people but mm-hmm. please it's a sacred space treated and with this having respect. that
0: visible for mm-hmm. for people to read and understand other people's viewpoints exactly a bit more. yeah
1: exactly yeah. so that it maybe helps the the heritage visitor to understand that mm-hmm. actually this is a live site that this isn't a dead religious site. This is a live site that is meaningful for people today, because otherwise, how would they know? <laughs> necessarily, yeah. and it and it's. I'm I'm thinking very much of the sort of work that uh, Morgana West has been doing, um, with the Glastonbury Unity Candle and talking about mm-hmm. unity and diversity and trying to say, yes, we acknowledge diversity, but. We can act together, in this case, respecting the Abbey space, mm-hmm. and we can respect each other even though we're no we're different. And actually that that's a very, a very vital thing. So maybe that is one little way of thinking about expressing yeah. that multivocality. Absolutely. Yeah. And if I can just impose on your time for one moment more, just in terms of we've talked about candles. And can I say from Uh, an experience elsewhere
0: prayer trees
1: maybe Mm -hmm. something you've tried already I think that
0: has been done once in the past yeah yeah
1: because again it occurs to me that the idea of a prayer tree sometimes called a wishing tree Mm -hmm. an intention tree is very attractive for some people it's akin to the rag wells the healing wells bold. There's a strong tradition of leaving prayers so that you have left something of yourself at a sacred site. Mm -hmm. And that by thinking of someone at a sacred site, you've almost extended that reach to that person. So that's a meaningful act. And also on these prayer trees, You can express any number of things that are personal to you. It doesn't impinge on anyone else, but you've Mm -hmm. again done something meaningful. And if you think about it, at Glastonbury Festival, the tree where you can Uh, write uh, messages uh, is up in the healing fields. That tree always, always is covered (laughs) with people remembering others or expressing wishes for world peace or whatever. But it's always a huge popular thing and so you see those pop-up at festivals we did a pop-up one at Canterbury Cathedral and they decided to carry on the idea Mm. because it was so popular so all I'm saying is again something that lets people express something of why the place is special to them or why they're there or what's on their mind Mm -hmm. but again it's not impinging on others but it's giving an opportunity for people to do something and I think some of the frustration that people may feel if they can't do the thing they absolutely want to do whether it's holding a ritual or whatever but like lighting a candle doing something something, is important is important
0: okay oh that's that's really good that's really Helpful. So thank you, Marion. It's been lovely to speak with you. And um, thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your insights. It's been my Uh, pleasure, Nick. Thank you, everyone at home for listening. This has been a Glastonbury Abbey podcast. Glastonbury Abbey is an independent charity. You can support us by visiting the Abbey, becoming a member or donating via our website, glastonburyabbey.com.